Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. More than a movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome, everybody. Tuesday edition of Clay and Buck starts right now. A busy news day. Much to get to. Also have some uh, excellent guests. Let's talk guests just for a moment so you know where we are heading. We'll have our friend Ryan Gurdusky in the second hour of the program. Just to let you know, he's got a, a piece up where he makes the case that Trump is currently at this stage of a cycle, including 2016 cycle and 2020, in the strongest position he has ever been in to win the presidency, which is amazing on so many levels, based on the numbers, based on uh, what's going on in the swing states. Ryan will, will break that down. It's too early to you know do anything other than just look at this and take it in. We're a year out, year and you know a couple of weeks, but it's very interesting, and we wanted to address that with Ryan. Also, the speaker fight, and that we just all wanted to end. We'll talk to Ryan about that, and uh, Clay and I will have some updates for you throughout the show. There's voting ongoing. There are a few candidates who are still in the mix. You've had, uh, as of this morning, Byron Donalds of Florida, Tom Emmer of Minnesota, Kevin Hearn of Oklahoma, Mike Johnson of Louisiana. You know, it's kind of a merry-go-round situation here. We'll see who ends up as actually speaker, and then we can stop talking about it, which would be fantastic. Um, we'll discuss that. And uh, we also have a special guest who will be joining in the third hour of the program. Clint Romesha is a former staff sergeant, Medal of Honor recipient. He's going to talk to us about what he's doing to help veterans, some veterans uh, programs he's involved in. If you saw the movie The Outpost, uh, Clint Eastwood's son, I think Scott Eastwood, plays Romesha. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it's an, a really harrowing tale of a very long gun battle in uh, in Afghanistan, one of the one of the longer ongoing gun battles. So we will discuss uh, firefights. We'll discuss that coming up. Let's. Oh, also a uh, news item here: Jenna Ellis has pleaded guilty in the Georgia case. Now uh, she was involved in some capacity in the election stuff in 2020, 
we'll get to some of that, but she's just getting five years of probation. I think it's interesting to see that maybe they're just going to try to process as many guilty pleas as possible. Okay, we'll get we'll get into all of that, and I want to talk to Clay about the legal realities there. Um, but the the updates we have for you right now on Israel: more airstrikes um, over the night, uh, airstrikes intensifying. Biden has said there won't be a ceasefire in Gaza until after hostages are released. He cut his remarks uh, yesterday as he had to head to the Situation Room. I thought this was interesting, Clay. Macron of France has said the international military coalition that fought ISIS should come together to fight Hamas, meaning treating Hamas like it is ISIS. Um, but, but something else, and I know that th- this kind of crosses over more into our domestic political scene, some of the pro-Palestine stuff. I mean, I want you to tell everybody, you know, where soccer, is she now a former yeah. soccer player, Megan Rapino comes down. Some of the pro-Palestine stuff like this very uh aggressive protest in New York City that happened where there were arrests. Clay, I see signs. I, I've got a sign in front of me and hat tip end wokeness on Twitter. Reproductive justice means free Palestine. <laughs> it's like we're watching... The left have a nervous breakdown in real time. I mean, what are you seeing with some of this? The Rapino stuff is, I know, something you've been talking to me about. Yeah, so uh, a colleague sent me this this morning. I woke up, uh, and obviously I'm not paying attention to Megan Rapino's friggin' uh, Instagram. Uh, God, God bless you <laughs> if you are and you happen to listen to us. I would think... The Venn diagram of paying attention to Megan Rapino's Instagram and Clay and Buck listeners is a completely separate circles, but in the event that this overlaps, um, so Megan Rapino, for those of you who don't know, is the U.S. women's soccer player who refused to stand for the national anthem because she said America is a fundamentally racist place. She refused to take a trip to the White House when Donald Trump invited the U.S. Win- women's soccer team which won the championship in 2019 in france to come to the white house to celebrate the fact that they had won the world cup Uh, she refused to go she bullied according to a lot of reports other members of the soccer team into making that same choice she tried to bully them all into kneeling she is not a good person in terms of the way that she's used her platform in my opinion politically she's been divisive uh and also a lot of you out there who do pay attention to sports actually loved that the final moment of Megan Rapinoe's World Cup career buck was her airmailing a uh a penalty kick in the uh in the at the end of the game to try to beat I think it was I can't even remember Sweden maybe one of those one of those one of those countries beat us I think it was Sweden uh but she airmailed it uh went far right ironically enough on her uh, on her miss which shouldn't happen obviously for a star in uh in in soccer so she is married to sue bird buck who is sue bird is i believe half jewish and is has an israeli passport uh sue bird is a a very talented women's basketball player megan rapino lesbian married to sue bird she is raising money on her instagram account for people in gaza Buck, she has a BLM head photo. She has her pronouns in her bio, of course. She has the gay pride flag, I believe. I'm trying to zoom in. I can't tell for sure, but I think that's what it is. Uh, and she is married to a Jewish woman who has Israeli citizenship that would be 
could have been murdered if she had happened to be in that area that Hamas invaded. She is a lesbian woman living and married under the protections of the United States. She would be murdered, probably stoned to death, in Hamas for being a lesbian who's married to an Israeli. I I don't think there's any doubt about this. Yet the politics of her branding is so broken that she is raising money for Hamas. And I think all of those are a lot of details, but I think it's emblematic of the collapse of the entire identity politics universe. And I think there, I, I know this, there are tons of people listening to us right now, Buck, who are Jewish, who would have never listened to us before, but have been tipped off, gotten notification, hey, these guys are 100% right, they're calling terrorists terrorists, and there's almost no one in media who will do it. It's crazy. You know, the you see the conflation, in a sense, um, although I do, there is some connective tissue with all these causes, other than just, I think, being wrong, being wrong on the issue. That's That's a connection. But all of a sudden, BLM, trans rights... Uh, you know, you know, racial justice, you know, climate change, anti-colonialism, Palestine, all this stuff is wrapped together. And you say, what is going on here? Like, what kind of mass delusion are people operating under? I mean, how, how could it, you know, reach this point? And, and you also have something else going on that I, I find, um, I know why they're doing it. You know, Barack Obama put out a statement yesterday. And I think it was like a reading list, right? He put out a list of things to read. Well, he put out a reading list, but he also put out a statement on, on the conflict. And, and there's this, this thing now. And, you know, uh, Tony Blinken, whom I have it on good authority from friends in the national security side on the, on the career side is, uh, an incompetent just for the, just so you know. Um, I, I really ask people, I say, look, is, I disagree with the guy, but is, is he really sharp? Does he really know, you know, what time it is? They say, no, he's, he's a, you're kind of a classic company man for the government buffoon. Um, but Blinken was doing the same thing today in, in remarks this morning. And what they do is they keep saying, oh, well, we want to remind Israel to act in a, in a humanitarian fashion. And th- this just gives more, um, you know, gives, gives more cover in a sense. To the people walking around saying, stop the genocide in Gaza. There's no genocide going on in Gaza. Okay. If Hamas could commit a genocide in Israel, it would do so. And it says it would do so. It has shown us that it has the willingness based on the actions of this terrorist attack, but it says openly from the river to the sea, get rid of all of the Jews. It is calling for a genocide and ethnic cleansing of Jews from the state of Israel. That is in, that is effectively Hamas's charter. Um, on the other side of things, Israel is taking time to negotiate for hostages, to work with allies, to try to, uh, you know, limit when the ground invasion starts civilian casualties, to prepare for the possibility of a northern front. There's already been some exchanges of you know, rocket fire in the north with Hezbollah. Israel's making all these preparations, and Barack Obama's putting out a statement to tell Israel that it's in its interest to, you know, conduct itself in the most humanitarian fashion possible. Yeah, they know, Clay. You know what I mean? Like this is. It's the, the, um, the, the Babylon B put out a, a, uh, what do you call it? A meme today that I thought really did get to this, you know, and it was Emperor Hirohito calls for ceasefire after bombing of Pearl Harbor. <laughs> I mean, that's a little bit of what we're seeing, you know, the, the ceasefire calls after this mass casualty terror attack. 
if, if somebody was calling for a ceasefire after 9-11, you would have thought that they were out of their mind or that they were just nefarious and that they thought America, yeah. you know, wanted it. Then what, what you're hearing now are ceasefire calls simultaneously with there's a stop the genocide in Gaza. There is no genocide in Gaza. That is a lie. And the Israelis are not trying to conduct, nor will they conduct the genocide in Gaza. But these are the two ways that they try to take the victimizers, Hamas, and make them the victims. Yeah, and this is also, I, I think, where social media can become dangerous. And, and, and I mean this. Whatever you believe, there is a viral video out there that you can post to justify your side's position. So whatever videos are out there, and by the way, nowadays the technology's gotten so advanced, you don't even know if the videos are real, but there are going to be young, innocent people in Palestine that die as a result of the Hamas terror attack, which has created uh, a necessity for a response from Israel. So you can be simultaneously of the opinion that you never want a civilian to die which I think all good and reasonable people are, and also simultaneously understand that that war is hell and that fighting is going to mean that there are deaths sometimes of innocence. And it's always important to remember that there are just wars. And if Hamas and Palestine did not want to be in a war, then they shouldn't have started a friggin' war. And I think the analogy is good for Emperor Hirohito. I think it's really very per, uh, persuasive for people out there after 9-11. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, Buck, if within that while we're still watching and standing in the rubble of the World Trade Centers, there had been legitimate arguments being made by Congress people that it was necessary that there be a ceasefire because we didn't want to hurt innocent people in our pursuit of al-Qaeda? Bad faith demands for peace can actually be used as as a weapon, you know, depending on when you are making those demands, right? If 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 all of a sudden, if Japan, I mean, I think back to, um, uh, I think back to, I think it's Dead of Honor, the Tom Clancy novel, which is the Tom Clancy novel where he flies. This is pre nine eleven. A Japanese pilot to get revenge on the U.S. flies a plane into a joint session of Congress and you know hits the Capitol building. Pre 9-11. Anyway, a little, little, you'd have a shock when you go back in history and think about this. But Clay, part of that is the Japanese effectively launch, you know, the, the, the plot, the, the, you know, the novel's plot is the Japanese seize back a bunch of territories in the Pacific. They do so very rapidly with pretty minimal U.S. loss of life. And they say, guys, let's, let's just call it quits right here. They also secretly develop nuclear missiles, right? So like, guys, yeah. we're done. Let, let's, let's leave it here. And you say, well, hold on a second. We're done now. After yeah. the you know after the violations have occurred, right? I mean, it's it, it's completely contrary to a sense of justice and also contrary to a sense of security because there's an ongoing threat from Hamas. It's not like Hamas has retreated. You know, people are talking about oh the lessons we've learned in Afghanistan and Iraq. Yeah, but geographically, this would be like you know uh, this would be like New Jersey launching a terror attack against New York. They're right next to each other. They share a border. You can't just say, okay, we're going to let this one go. You're far away. Maybe we'll figure out peace in the future. They're an ongoing threat, Clay. That's the part of this that people, I mean, they're still firing off rockets. Yeah, it's a little bit like if a cartel came across our southern border, killed 1,400 people, 
and then went back across the southern border in Mexico, tried to say, hey, you shouldn't respond to the cartels. Yeah, ceasefire. We need a ceasefire Mexico now. demands ceasefire after 1,400 Americans killed by cartel. That's exactly yeah. what the similar, you know, or I should say not exactly, but that's a very close um, uh, situation to what we're seeing here. That's why the ceasefire demands, the stop the genocide demands, I mean, they're using this term genocide just because it's so emotionally loaded. To use the term genocide wrongly to stop the Jewish people from defending themselves is a particularly disgraceful thing to do. Well, you know particularly I mean? because Hamas actually would do a genocide correct. if they could, and the 1,400 people they killed mm-hmm. are emblematic of what their genocide would look like. This is the inversion of reality and morality at the same time. Look, uh, number shocking. More than 38,000 U.S. veterans experiencing homelessness across our nation. Heroes who signed up to protect and serve. Now they're sleeping on our nation's streets. Tunnel to Towers is committed to helping those heroes who have sacrificed so much for our country, our freedoms, and for us. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers providing housing assistance and services to U.S. veterans who meet the program's requirements. Foundation's program helped over 500 veterans last year, and more than 2,000 are expected to receive help this year. Veterans who honorably served our nation deserve our gratitude. If you or someone you know is a veteran who's homeless or at risk of homelessness, complete the Foundation's inquiry form at T2T.org. More than 38,000 heroes who put their lives on the line for us need your help. You can help by donating $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. The torch of truth, past and still lit every day. The Clay, Travis, and Buck Sexton Show. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready for Smart Money Happy Hour. Pull up a chair. It's the happy hour you wish your friends were having. Mix two money experts with some hot takes and a splash of nostalgia, and you get me, George Camel. And me, Rachel Cruz, talking unfiltered about what's going on in the world, pop culture, and how to afford a life you love. We're talking money, celebrity budgets, and my budget for my two French Bulldogs. It's a lot. (laughs) You'll hear it all on Smart Money Happy Hour. Listen on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Welcome back in Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. I hope all of you are having a fantastic day tomorrow. We're going to try to put some humor in the show at some it's been so dark there's so many awful things happening we're going to have some things that hopefully will make you laugh during the course of the show but i want to update you on some breaking news and i don't know buck if you're an expert on this guy or not i i don't know that i would recognize him candidly if you gave me a lineup of uh of of congress people tom emmer from minnesota is the latest republican nominee for Speaker of the House. They have been voting marathon session, what they started with nine, and they now have uh, the Republican Party has settled on Tom Emmer. Buck, if I put five middle-aged congressmen in a lineup right now and told you, pick Tom Emmer, could you do it? I, I cannot tell a lie, man. I, I would I would not. I would not be able to do it. And I sit here and I will just say, uh, our skepticism of the whole oust McCarthy, it's going to be so much better, is looking very prescient right now. And the angry emails we got from people saying, look, oh, look, we have to mix up the system and change it all. It's like, well, okay, but you got to have a plan, right? Yes. You can't just throw a wrench in the gears and say, that'll fix it. You got to have a plan to change what's going on. And if Emmer ends up as Speaker of the House, this is not good, folks. He is a weak Republican. Anger is not a plan. It's an important message. It's an emotion. It's not a plan. Uh, having absorbent soft towels to reach for when you get out of shower. Guess what? Game changer. My pillow's got a brand new line. Uh, six piece set. My tell, uh, they're called my towels. Low introductory sale price, just $29.98. When you use our names, Clay and Buck, as the promo code, you can get the designer premium line for just 20 bucks more. Here's how you get hooked up. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Listener Special Square for the six-piece towel set, 50% in savings with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Remember, enter the promo code Clay and Buck. You can also call 800-792-3269 for this great special. Again, go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Listener Special Square, Put in that promo code Clay and Buck and get hooked up today. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. Welcome back to Clay and Buck. We're talking about the uh, realities right now of the Israel-Hamas war, a war that has not reached its its full uh, its full extent yet, and, and hopefully will be limited to Gaza and some exchanges of fire in the north with Hezbollah that have already happened. There are concerns this could become a broader conflagration with Iran. Um, I think that is unlikely, but that does not mean it is impossible. Uh, I think it is. Uh, that's part of what a lot of the caution you see right now relates to. Um, but bringing it back home here again for a second, because there hasn't been a lot of change, airstrikes ongoing, humanitarian corridor opened in the south of Gaza, Ground invasion hasn't started yet, so we're, we're watching for this. But, uh, you know, I, I look, I, I grew up in New York City. Uh, I lived in New York for probably all in over 30 years of my life, right in, uh, in Manhattan. And, uh, you have a large, uh, Jewish population in New York City. I remember going to bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs growing up all the time. And, you know, New York City has, um, over a million, I believe, uh, over a million residents of New York City are, Jewish. 
Um, and that's, I think, just interesting uh, backdrop for you would think that in a city like that, there would be a sense of solidarity with our Jewish brothers and sisters who are who have been under assault after this terrorist attack, the rise in anti-Semitism around the world, the, the flagrant, blatant calls for for violence, effectively calls for pogroms against Jews right now that are going on in places like London, but in New York City, of all places. This stuff is still, these calls, these protests, they're happening in New York. This is audio we have for you here um, of a protest. They're calling for intifada in New York, which means uprising against Israel. Play nine. There's only one solution. Intifada, intifada. They're chanting in the streets, Clay, supporting Hamas in this moment, supporting, because it's impossible to, to say that this is, uh, you know, to talk about Gaza and not to understand that Hamas is the governing authority there. It's not even like, I think this gets lost a lot in the, in the discussions about this. It's not as though there is a terrorist entity operating on the soil of Gaza and the Gazan elected government is saying, guys, help us out. You know, we've dealt with that before in different countries, right? There's plenty of you know, Egypt has had terrorists in the Sinai. And we've, you know, but Gaza is run by a terrorist entity. Yeah. You know, this, this is what I think people. So when you talk about the Palestinian cause in Gaza, the politics of Gaza are terrorist politics right now. And that New York City residents have to hear this stuff chanted in the streets. It's chilling. Yeah, and and look, this is why I think there are many Jewish people, and we talked to Carol Markowitz about this yesterday, and Barry Weiss has been writing about this all over the country, who are waking up and realizing how toxic and broken left-wing identity politics, which has become the foundation of the Democrat Party, actually is. Because Jews always thought, especially Jewish people on the left, wait, we're all allies here. We'll fight for LGBT rights. We'll fight for minority representation. We'll argue in favor of trans people being able to have basic human rights. And we expect that, at a minimum, when we are victims of terror attacks, that you will be on our side. And this is this is what the toxicity of this world creates. If this had been a group of far-right-wing anti-Semites who had attacked, these people would have lined up in favor of Jews, right? It's not who the victim is. It's who the attacker is. And what they can't reconcile in their brains is they can't, and this is important for all of you out there to understand, to think, like, why is this happening? They can't understand how a minority group could be involved in an evil act because in their world they are the oppressed. And this is the same kind of argument, Buck, you'll hear. And they've been making these arguments for, I've heard this for generations now. Oh, black people can't be racist. You know, the left will argue that it's impossible for a black person to be racist because their idea is that black people have so little power in America 
and I'm not endorsing this, I'm saying what their argument is, that they lack the ability to be racist. So this is why they would forgive, for instance, and not cover and not give any credence to a black person attacking a white person because in their world, the white person can't be a victim. Well, this is and also why they world, generally, they, they often yeah. don't prosecute hate crimes against, Correct. against white people. They think Correct. it's like not really a thing. They don't believe that it can happen. And this is why I've said the, the, the thing that blows all this up is if you just say something simple like, Hey, white people, black people, Asian people, and Hispanic people, all, all races can be racist and indeed have racism in them. And by the way, Buck, be careful. The Middle Clay. East it sounds is like you one might be saying most, that all, all lives matter and all people yeah. are equal. I mean, this uh, is- the, the, the Middle East is one of the most racist places. In the world, right? Yes. Like this idea that they are somehow beacons of of, of opportunity, and this, this is where this the is, challenge I mean, always I was comes. Say, you know, when when you speak to people that have spent time in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, I, I I don't know how to say this other than just to say it: the, the very commonplace view in those countries of people with darker skin. Oh yeah, it would would be shocking to Western sensibilities. Meaning, there is a lot of racism. In the Middle East. I mean, real racism in the yes. Middle East. And it's also interesting because the way they approach these power dynamics, this notion that, first of all, to, to call Israel a, a colonial state. I mean, there have been Jews in Israel. You know, it's interesting, right? We're, we're this still is my question. Of like, when do you actually decide that someone is a colon? Like, if you've been there right. thousands and thousands of years, where do you line that? Where's the line of demarcation? I mean, we're, we're still. You know, there, there were, you know, Comanches taking land from Apaches and, you know, a couple hundred years ago. And we're, we're still being told that, like, this is this is a grave crime that the land has been taken. Whatever. There have been Jews in in the land of Israel and in, in Judea and Samaria and uh, for thousands of years. And and now because of 20th century politics and the Balfour Declaration, et cetera, we're, we're led to believe that this is somehow a colonial project of people that have, have just arrived the history is wrong but even beyond that the notion that muslims are inherently a a fearful minority is wildly historically ignorant never mind the fact that there are two billion muslims in the world it's the largest single practice religion but in the region this idea that you know they always think of us as israel and, and palestine or israel and the palestinians israel exists surrounded by Muslim majority nations that have tried numerous times to destroy it. So if we're really going to talk about power imbalance and and the realities of real politique in, in the Middle East, uh Israel acts with first of all has been remarkably successful in defending itself, thankfully, and also acts with tremendous restraint given the realities of the region and it seeks truly does seek peace. And yes. this is one of the things as we all we've forgotten this part of the discussion, Hamas is enraged by the notion of fellow Muslims, fellow Arabs in the region, normalizing relations with Israel and saying, "Why well, let's let's trade and let's travel and let's you know just get along," which is why I think if you really unpack why they did what they did, I think their big part of this was Saudi Arabia was poised to normalize relations with Israel, and if that happens, given the power and might of the Saudi economy as a result of Saudi Aramco then the concern was that normalization might spread. I think that was, because that's off the table now, I think that was a big part of the strategic imperative under which this attack happened. And, and remember, the 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 long-term, I mean, this is common in propaganda, 
to to justify short term suffering, depredation, uh, tyranny because of the long term utopian goal. I mean, this is true of all communist regimes, but it's true of the Palestinian politics as well. It's always eventually we'll have everything, guys. Right, right now it may be miserable and we may be, you know, Hamas may be uh, murdering women and children and we might be suicide bombers or we might be all these terrible things. And we live with these corrupt, uh, you know, psychopaths in Hamas and other Palestinian entities running the show. But eventually all of Israel will be Palestine. They can't give that up, Clay. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, that's what from the river to the sea means for people right. out there who don't spend a lot of time. Like, but, they're fighting but, for this for thousands of years. But, it's but, not going to suddenly the decisions, go away. They have made, the Palestinians have suffered for decades because of the idiotic decisions of their own leadership, all premised on they don't actually want a two-state. They want a one-state solution, and we all know what that means. So uh, let's let's take some, let's open the lines, take some of the calls that you have on this one, 800-282-2882. Start earning high-yield returns in a low-yield market by investing in Phoenix Capital Group's corporate bonds. Choose your investment amount, term limit, and earn returns from 9 to 13% annual interest with Phoenix Capital's domestic energy asset bonds. These bonds have been qualified with the SEC and are also independently audited. Phoenix Capital buys energy royalties previously reserved for institutional investors, now accessible to you, the savvy investor. Phoenix Capital Group is disrupting the traditional energy industry through their proprietary offerings, yielding 9 to 13% annual interest for accredited investors. Learn more by downloading the Phoenix Group's free investment packet today at phxonair.com. For a private investor meeting, visit phxonair.com for an appointment with Matt Willer, Managing Director of Capital Markets. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Visit phxonair.com today for more information. Download and use the new Clay and Buck app. Listen to the program live. Catch up on any part of the show you might have missed. Stay current with what Clay and Buck are saying on TV. Find the Clay and Buck app in your app store and make it part of your day. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media and we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on but we do it without the left-wing media spin listen to armstrong and getty on demand on america's number one podcast network iheart open your free iheart app and search the armstrong and getty show to start listening hey i'm jay shetty and i'm the host of the on purpose podcast on purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier healthier and more healed This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is that is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Get ready for Smart Money Happy Hour. Pull up a chair. It's the happy hour you wish your friends were having. Mix two money experts with some hot takes and a splash of nostalgia. And you get me, George Camel. And me, Rachel Cruz, talking unfiltered about what's going on in the world, pop culture, and how to afford a life you love. We're talking money, celebrity budgets, and my budget for my two French Bulldogs. It's a lot. (laughs) You'll hear it all on Smart Money Happy Hour. Listen on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. I promise we'll bring you some humor in a little bit. But at the top of the next hour, we've talked about this some on the show, but I think many in the media have not recognized it. I know we still are, what, two months out from, two months and some change out from votes officially getting underway, the caucus in Iowa, January 15th. So about two months out, roughly, two and a half months. Um, Donald Trump Buck right now than he has ever been in his entire political career in terms of his odds of being elected president. And, and at, at this phase in particular, right? Any, so anywhere. To, yeah. But if you, if you go to yeah. October of 2015, if you go to October of 2019, his numbers are better right now. Look, we're going to have Ryan Gradusky on uh, in a few moments talking about his substack and and how he has crunched these numbers. But I do think, Clay, there has to be, and you're, I think you are starting to see this, Democrats are a little flummoxed here. They they must think, now maybe the whole play is just independents are going to hate all the, all the, you know, criminal justice stuff and they're going to run the that, That's what I've been thinking their play is going to be the whole time. I think they're getting nervous about that, though. I think Biden there's a worry spent, they may have overplayed their hand. Biden spent, and this has not gotten a lot of attention, Biden spent $25 million, Buck, in all of the toss-up states over the past couple of months, and his numbers haven't moved. And I think that's starting to get them a little murk. Now, they're going to spend a billion dollars. On both sides, probably going to end up spending a billion dollars. But I think one of the challenges you're going to run into is – how many persuadable people are there? People who are out there and they're like, oh, I really don't know what I think about Biden. I really don't know what I think about Trump. My sense is there's basically a, a, a an audience of zero. Now, maybe some people can be moved with advertising because they're sitting around watching Wheel of Fortune and a Joe Biden commercial comes on or a Donald Trump commercial comes on. And they say, you know what? Maybe I've been wrong. Maybe I, I just I don't think people are going to change their minds. And the, there's also nervousness out there, Buck. I saw this, uh, and we'll mention this with Gerdusky too. There's a Quinnipiac poll that came out. Biden's only up seven on Trump in New York State. That's pretty crazy. So we're going to take a couple of your calls here, but it's not only that some of these toss-up states are not looking good for Biden. It's that states that you think, hey, that's a dyed-in-the-wool Democrat state. I'm not even going to pay attention to what the totals look like there. With some of the third parties running, according to this Quinnipiac poll, Biden's only up seven, and he's only up nine head-to-head in this Quinnipiac poll in New York. What's going on there? Now, there's a lot of people upstate New York who listen to us. Hello, Albany. Hello, Buffalo. My kids, Buck, I talked about this during the summer when we landed and we were in Cooperstown, New York. They couldn't believe how many Trump flags they saw all throughout upstate New York. You get far enough from New York City, north or west, and you start to feel like you're in the Midwest. It's very different, very rural. I felt like I was in Alabama, honestly, 
Like in the summer, well, that might when be it's taking nice. it a little. The, no. the accents are a little different. No, no, but I mean, just in terms of the amount of like when yes. I drive back roads in, in in Alabama, it was not a lot different than back roads in uh, in in New York. By the way, I'm, six I'm of these more pu- likely a lot of the time I think Clay to bump into somebody who listens to our show in like a general store in you know northern Dutchess County than I am in uh, you know walking around Midtown Manhattan. Sometimes I mean it's amazing how often you find folks who are DC. Front door guy comes up and he's like, "Man, I love you guys." And I was like, "You're whispering." He's like, "Yeah, I got to whisper." <laughs> he, he's a yeah. smart man. That's called op, yeah. That's called but opsec clay, operational yeah. security. He's in D.C. There are communists lurking everywhere. Couple of blocks from the White House. Uh, Rob in Ohio, what you got for us? Okay, well, I'm I'm from Louisville, but I'm driving from Youngstown back home. Okay, so, gotcha. Uh, what I was gonna say is that you guys haven't really succinctly described, I think, our feelings as the little people in Normalsville. Um, I think what the Republicans need is a really strong fighter and not necessarily somebody who's going to reach across the aisle. Like yeah, Nancy, Nancy Pelosi never reached across the aisle, and she was a fantastic speaker for her party. Yep. So every time I hear somebody say, oh, I just want to, you know, reach across the aisle and make deals and like Kevin McCarthy was doing. Forget that. Well, you know, look, we don't. Thanks, want, thanks we for the call. I uh, I get it. I get the anger, but what I'm saying is, anger is not a strategy. And Kevin McCarthy is obligated to have to make deals on some level, right? When you only control the House, you don't get to dictate to the White House and the Senate what they do. The problem is, what I am thinking is going to happen now is Republicans are going to have taken a guy, Kevin McCarthy, who you may not have agreed with on everything, but was a much stronger leader than whomever they're going to get. And that is not ideal because you're in a tough negotiating spot. Is that where you kind of are as well, Buck, as whether it's Tom Emmer or whoever it is? Republicans have played themselves into a position where they're going to have less control and less ability to fight than they had beforehand. Yep. I, I I didn't see it. I didn't see it from day one what the point was. People were angry at me, and I kept saying, don't just throw a wrench into the gears. you got to have a plan. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. 
People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.